blessed morn see the great mediator down from the regions of glory descend shepherds go worship the babe in a manger Lord, for a god the bright angels attend Hello everyone, my name is Simon Carver and welcome to Dagnall Street Baptist Church's podcast service for Sunday the 8th of January. A Happy New Year to you all. This Sunday we'll be flitting around a number of different themes. Today is the first Sunday of Epiphany and our first piece of music was Kathy Matea's take on Brightest and Best are the Sons of the Morning. Our Bible reading comes from the book of the prophet Isaiah and from a section known as the Servant Songs. And later we'll hear Larry Norman's song, I Am A Servant. 
Today is also pretty much the last day we get to talk about Christmas and we will hear a contemporary version of We Three Kings. Some notices. Tea plus chat plus prayer is at the home of Flo and Richard Minton on Tuesday at 2.30 and all are welcome. Please let me know if you'd need transport. And then Who Let the Dads Out is on Saturday the 14th from 10 till 11.30. This is our group for dads and their preschool children. And don't forget our toddler group will be starting back again on Wednesday morning at the usual time. And now our call to worship. Honour the Lord, you heavenly beings. Honour the Lord for his glory and strength. Honour the Lord for the glory of his name. Worship the Lord in the splendour of his holiness. The voice of the Lord echoes above the sea. The God of glory thunders. The Lord thunders over the mighty sea. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord splits the mighty cedars. The Lord shatters the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon's mountains skip like a calf. He makes Mount Hermon leap like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord strikes with bolts of lightning. The voice of the Lord makes the barren wilderness quake. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord twists mighty oaks and strips the forests bare. In his temple, everyone shouts, Glory! The Lord rules over the floodwaters. The Lord reigns as king forever. The Lord gives his people strength. The Lord blesses them with peace. Yeah. 
Father of all, who created the heavens and the earth, thank you that we are your beloved. Your Holy Spirit descended on Jesus like a dove. May your Spirit meet us where we are today. May your Spirit breathe new life into us today. May you hold us with your righteous right hand. Most merciful God, we thank you for your beloved Son, Jesus, who moved into the neighbourhood and lived among us. Thank you that we too are your beloved. Thank you that you sent your Son to die and rise again, so that we might have life and true freedom in you. Thank you that we have been chosen by you, and that your love never ends despite our failings and shortcomings. Thank you that you chose to come to earth and be flesh among us. We thank and praise you, our heavenly King. Amen. A reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah, chapter 43, beginning at the first verse. But now, O Jacob, listen to the Lord who created you. O Israel, the one who formed you, says, Do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name, you are mine. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Saviour. I gave Egypt as a ransom for your freedom. I gave Ethiopia and Seba in your place. Others were given in exchange for you. I traded their lives for yours because you are precious to me. You are honoured and I love you. Do not be afraid for I am with you. I will gather you and your children from east and west. I will say to the north and south, bring my sons and daughters back to Israel from the distant corners of the earth. Bring all who claim me as their God, for I have made them for my glory. It was I who created them. One of the themes in our Bible passage from Isaiah is the importance of names and being named. I'm going to say a little about the importance of names before thinking about what this passage says to us about redemption. When I last visited India, nearly five years ago now, I spent a few days in New Delhi and saw the India Gate. It's the main memorial in India to those service personnel who died while serving the British Empire, as it then was, in the First World War. It is an enormous structure, and while it's not easy to see from a distance, when you get close, you'll notice that it is engraved on the brickwork the names of 13,300 of the 70,000 people who died for the British Empire in that war. Just over 50 years after the India Gate Memorial was inaugurated, the Vietnam Memorial in Washington, D.C. was dedicated to the lives of those American service personnel who died in Vietnam. Unlike the memorial in New Delhi, America's dead are memorialised on a structure that has little height but covers an area the size of two football pitches. It shares with the India Gate the same pattern of having the names of 58,318 men and women who died engraved on 144 polished stone panels. I decided a rather nice connection between these two memorials, which is that the stone for the Vietnam Memorial was mined in Bangalore in India. The Vietnam Memorial was designed by Maya Lin. She said about her work, it's the names. The names are the memorial. 
No edifice or structure can bring people to mind as powerfully as their names. It is interesting that Ms Lin, who is ethnically Chinese, the daughter of parents who had emigrated from China and met in the US, also says that she would not have won the competition to choose the design for the memorial if it had not been judged blind. No names or other details were attached to the entries, just a number. And the fact that she was unnamed and just a number probably helped her case because at the time she was a 21-year-old undergraduate university student and after her design was chosen in 1981, she suffered considerable abuse when people discovered her age and indeed her ethnicity. God doesn't substitute numbers for names. I have called you by your name, you are mine. In this Isaiah passage, the fact that God has named Israel makes all the difference. It is a guarantee of so much. It reminds Israel's people of their divine origin, of being created and formed by Yahweh. It banishes fear and announces redemption. It offers God's protecting hand in fire and flood. And God woos Israel with a declaration of covenant love and confesses that Israel is precious in my eyes and honoured and I love you. In scripture, being called by one's name is a rich gift. These promises and great privileges, however, come with a claim of ownership. Yahweh goes on to remind Israel that the name it bears is Yahweh's name. The Lord speaks of bringing back from north, south, east and west everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. It is a little like carrying both a given name and a family name. The first makes me special because I'm me. The second tells me I'm not only me, it reminds me of a heritage I carry with me. Names tell us that we are loved and call us into accountability. What greater accountability can there be than to know that we are called by God's name, created for God's glory? Names mean something. When a woman, or in some cases a man, changes their name when they marry, they're making a statement. In the past, it was saying that the woman was owned by the man. Today, I like to think that the two, husband and wife, are bound by love, and that love is expressed by their sharing the same name. People change their name for other reasons too. Ame Kwe Ama is an actor and stage director who once had a role in Casualty. His original name was Ian Roberts when he was born to parents who had emigrated from Grenada in the Caribbean. However, having researched his roots in Ghana, he decided to change his name to express his heritage. Other people have changed their name away from something that reflects their heritage to something more Western. Many Jewish people did this when they arrived in America. Israel Balin took the name Irvin Berlin when he began his career as a songwriter. Some years later, Ramon Gerard Antonia Estevez became Martin Sheen. And while one son, Carlos, became the actor Charlie Sheen, another son, also an actor, remained Emilio Estevez. Krishna Pandit Bungie thought he might do better if he was known as Ben Kingsley. Those massive memorials with thousands of names are striking just because of the numbers. But there's also something moving about our street memorials, such as the one in Verulam Road, with just one or two names from each local street. 
each of them representing a father, a brother or son who was missing from the family table once the war was over. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. I'm not sure that's true, because names are important. They can be evidence of whether or not we are loved. When Jesus was baptised, as he prayed, heaven's glory opened and God's spirit dove descended upon him. Suddenly all those first inklings of vocation that stirred in childhood, the unshaped consciousness of call, the inner yearnings and searchings, were brought into sharp focus and God named him with the best name he would bear. You are my son, the beloved. With you I am well pleased. This affirmation is the defining moment for Jesus. It is God's declaration of love to God's new Israel. It is God's naming to supreme accountability. It is God's surprise visited upon the world of the pompous and the powerful. And there's nothing more important for any of us than to hear God call our name. What Jesus received by right, we are invited to receive by grace. Names are important, and especially the name given to us by God. And our God has promised to be with us. We hear this in the words of Jesus to the disciples at the end of the Gospel according to Matthew. I am with you always to the very end of the age. In our passage from Isaiah, we hear something of that same promise, but made on this occasion to Israel. These promises to not be drowned by water or burned by fire make our text almost as comforting to its readers as the words of Psalm 23. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Although life gives many reasons for fear, Isaiah's command is premised on God's ongoing presence. Whether or not biblical texts have a particular power may depend on whether or not one was brought up in a Christian family and taken to church as a child. I know that one practice when someone's life is coming to a close is to read scripture to them, whether or not they are conscious. It's often said that our hearing is one of the last of our senses to leave us. The sort of texts one might read are fairly obvious. The time for challenge is over. Now it's time for comfort and to be reminded of the promises that God has made to us. So one might read passages from the Psalms, such as Psalm 46, 121, and of course, Psalm 23. I've also read the passage that is our text in this podcast. This is partly because they offer comfort, but also because they are passages that are likely to resonate with people who have been in the faith for most of their lives. I read an account about two brothers who'd been brought up in a home that was outwardly very Christian, but also very dysfunctional. The brothers' parents separated while the younger boy was still a teenager, and such was the dynamic at home that the boys left and they set up home together. One Christmas they decided to travel from their home in New York and go right across to their mother in Texas. It's the same journey that Katrina and I took when we made our road trip through America. But the weather on the east coast of the US in December makes that journey hazardous and the boys weren't driving, they were hitchhiking. By evening on the first day they were in a fairly remote part of Virginia and it was snowing hard and a number of cars passing had gone from few to zero. The younger boy, Craig, takes up their story. After two hours, we finally saw a pair of headlights pull over in front of us. 
It was a Virginia State Trooper. We were expecting a lecture about how dangerous, not to mention illegal, it was to hitchhike. Instead, he told us that the highway had been closed for two hours and that after attending to an accident up the road, he would come back for us and take us to a diner that was still open. We stayed put on the side of the dark highway in the blizzard. After months of hustling our way through the immediate issues of making life work, my brother and I were finally forced to talk to each other. We took a stab at describing our situation, but it didn't go well, after I mentioned that we were basically disposable to the people who were supposed to love us. We tried to pass the time by quizzing each other on sports statistics. Neither of us had ever been very good at that. Then my brother pointed to me and said, Romans 8.28. We spent much of that night asking each other to recite the verses of the Bible we'd memorised but never truly heard. At one point I found myself saying the precious lines of Isaiah 43, Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, you are mine. When you pass through the waters I will be with you, because you are precious in my sight and honoured, and I love you. By the time I finished reciting those words, I was crying. That night, when a passage about the sustaining love of God cast out fear that was too deep for me to even acknowledge became the turning point in my life. Craig is Craig Barnes, now the principal of a theological college at one of the prestigious Ivy League universities. In the article, he went on to write, I've been blessed to be in one position of leadership after another. But what I finally learned in hearing the text was that my experience has stayed with me every step of the way. I don't keep taking chances in offering leadership because I expect to succeed. I take them because I know I can handle it if I fail. What's the worst that can happen? Will I be alone, broken, abandoned? Been there. Will I make humiliating mistakes? I tried hitchhiking on a closed interstate. And at the bottom, I found the relentless love of God who was with me and always will be, no matter how deep the waters. When you find God at the bottom, it's possible to enjoy life's highs and lows without fearing you'll fail beneath the love of a saviour. No one can be fully alive and no one can lead without getting rid of that fear. Christianity is not a philosophy from which we draw inspiration by reading incredible texts from the past or even the stories of other people who have experienced great things in their lives. It is a faith that's premised on the reality that God is actively engaged in history but also in our lives even now. As we proceed on our challenging pilgrimages, as we step out into this new year, let's keep the message of this passage in our minds. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. I sit here waiting 
Let us pray. Almighty God, surrounded as we are by the troubles of the world, where paths are not straight and where justice does not prevail, where so much pain and anguish is in evidence, we bring our prayers for those in need, knowing you hear our prayers and the deep yearnings of our hearts. We pray for those we know whose needs seem so overwhelming, those whose pain finds no relief, those who feel submerged by their anguish and their distress. May we offer words of comfort where we can, a listening ear to those who will talk, a gentle touch for those who need companionship, a smile that restores their belief in humanity. We pray for those who are alone and feel all at sea in this troubled world those who cannot see the way ahead, cannot see God's hand at work among them, around them, and within them. For those for whom Christmas was no more than a time for Santa and fripperies, those for whom baptism is a meaningless unknown ceremony, those who've never felt the touch of God's Holy Spirit, or felt the touch of Jesus, or seen the hand of God, for those for whom the Church has no meaning and no purpose, no relevance, and no place. We pray for those experiencing flooding in our country, those who have been snowed in in America and Canada, 
those countries with searing heat and no rain and no harvests, those countries already suffering dreadfully from climate change and all its ramifications. We pray for those suffering injustice beyond our imagining and our understanding, those exploited or abused because of gender or colour, race or creed, social standing or disability, those who feel marginalised, ignored, cast aside. We pray for those whole nations that are being torn apart by war and violence, those who keep making headline news and those who slip from memory but not from the aggressor's hand. But we give thanks for those who've changed the world for the better, those whose lives have meant so much to us and others, for those we know and love who have died, and for those who we know of who have changed the lives of us and many more besides. We give thanks for the life of Pope Benedict, whose faith and writings influence so many. We give thanks for the life of Pele, the footballer, who brought joy to so many people and who had such a positive influence on people in Brazil and further afield. We pray for all aspects, providers and users of our NHS, for politicians who decide on planning and the way forward, for the Treasury who decide on how much the nations can afford, for nurses, doctors, cleaners, administrators and all who bear the brunt of shortages and live with chaos daily while themselves feeling the pressures of our economic crisis, for patients and for relatives who need care, attention, love and support. And we pray for ourselves, our family members, our neighbours and communities, that together we may live lives that are good, true and honest, that we may support and love each other as Jesus loves us, that we each may see the needs around us and respond in Jesus' name. Hear us, Lord. Hear our words and the yearnings of our hearts. Almighty God, this day, these are our prayers. Amen. We three kings of Orient are Bearing gifts we traverse afar and fountain, moor and mountain, following yonder star. Born a king on Bethlehem's plain, gold I bring to crown him again. King forever, ceasing never over us all to reign.
Our last song is a little different from usual. It is a modern hymn written by Leith Fisher. Unfortunately, I've been unable to find a recording of the hymn being sung. However, the music is the pipe tune Highland Cathedral, and so you'll hear the music, but you will need to sing along yourself using the words on the service sheet. But first, a final prayer. And now may God's extraordinary love find you in your ordinariness, that you may be sure of your path, confident of your calling, and blessed in all that you are and all that you do. Amen.